He told me I goes long now. I just I just want to remind you. I just got back from Africa, and uh, I was in one place, and uh, actually it was an anniversary celebration, and they went like six hours with with five or six different pastors, and, and actually actually the the main speaker gets up there and he says, "I'm just going to talk for a couple minutes, and then I'm going to turn this over to Leon." And I wasn't scheduled to speak. It was supposed to be my day of resting, preparing to go back on this long flight back to the United States. And uh, anyway, so be instant in season and out, but I won't preach for more than two hours, okay? Um, I'll probably preach about 30 minutes. Um, anyway, I'm glad to be here. I, uh, I so highly respect um, Pastor Matt and Sarah and the work that they've got here. I've known them. I've watched them since this young lady was in high school. (laughs) And I watch the way that they treat people and how they minister to people and how they take their garage instead of parking it, their cars in it, they make it into a youth room. You know, and and, uh, I tell you what, that speaks louder than any book or tape or CD or whatever, MP3 or whatever you're listening to, that speaks extremely loud to me because, number one, it says they care about people. And number two, they, it says that they will, they will give of themselves to help you. And that's the kind of people we need in leadership in the church Instead of someone demanding a higher salary and all this other stuff, we need people who will follow the example of Jesus and give of themselves to reach people. And I see that in both Matt and Sarah. And uh, I'll tell you what, you guys are blessed in Hesperia. Um, I fly a considerable amount of miles. Last year, I think it was like 120,000 miles and a lot of times I'll look out of the airplane and I'll see these little towns and I'll think, is anybody there preaching the gospel? Now, I'm a farm boy, okay? Uh, <laughs> can I? My wife, I was over in Africa and my wife went with my daughter and she went someplace where they had a plastic cow, okay, a life-size plastic cow. And she was acting like she was milking this plastic cow. And I had an instructor when I got home that that's really not, you need to put your head into that by the thigh of that cow so you can feel that muscle tense before he kicks the daylights out of you. you know? <laughs> so I'm an old farm boy. And my heart still is for these rural communities. And I a lot of times think of that little, that little community of called Newkirk, Iowa. Is there anybody there preaching the gospel? Now, there's a church there, but are they really preaching the gospel where, where you can, you can go to a man and you can say, Jesus can change your life. I don't care where you start. He's got a great finish for you. And, uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, 17 before I found the Lord. I'd been in church every day of my, every Sunday of my life. But I never heard that God loved me and had a plan for my life. You tell a man by the name of Ron Glass, and he just passed away a couple of years ago, lived in Fremont. You know Ron? 
Ron Glass led me to Jesus. And uh, he, at that time, was a welder. And he he became the head of Cranhill Ranch. But he, he just told me, Leon, God loves you. Really? And he's got a plan. For me? Come on! Now, I think God, he just kind of picks and chooses. And with my luck, there is no way he's going to pick and choose me. You know, that was my mentality, so I hated God. Anyway, I'm going, I'm, this isn't nowhere close. Jordan, you don't even have a, you don't have a PowerPoint for that. But again, uh, I just, I'm so excited to hear Matt and Sarah and their vision, not only for Hesperia, but for Shelby and for maybe for New Era and, and, and all these little communities up here that really are void of anyone preaching the gospel that will change a person's life. And so get behind them. Help them. And uh, anyway, it's an investment that you will never be sad you made. I'm going to talk to you today about unique unity. There's a lot of people that are under stress today trying to be somebody that they're not supposed to be. And be, when any time we try to be somebody who we're not supposed to be, you know what happens? The body of Christ suffers. It's like trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I've had people in my life that were constantly trying to make me somebody who I wasn't. Trying to make me do something that I can't do. That I'm not proficient at. And, and something that I feel very stressful when I have to do it. I am not a bookkeeper. Now, I have to keep books. Because we have a 501c3 corporation and the state demands that there's books kept. I call my, I text my wife and I said, keeping books, beware. <laughs> you know, I am just not that kind of person. And I see so much in the body of Christ when we've tried to develop and make people into somebody who they aren't. And so, we're going to talk about unique unity today. This past Tuesday, I made a visit to my doctor. And uh, I had a, a little heart episode here, what, two months ago has it been? Something like that. And uh, I went and they put me to a cardiologist and she sticks all these needles in you, you know, and all that stuff. Uh, Donis, maybe you can relate to that. <laughs> um, and uh, she put me on these drugs. And I came out feeling worse than when I did when I was having the heart problem. I couldn't function. One day I passed out for two hours in the back in the back lawn in our backyard. And it, my heart rate went down into the 50s and my blood pressure was crashing. And, and, and so I go to my, my doctor. Actually, I just said... Forget medicine, okay? Which probably isn't a good thing, but anyway, that's the way Leon functions, okay? 
I go to my doctor and he says, well, you're not taking any of these things? I said, no. I said, this, it, 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 what are you trying? Actually, this is what I said. Are you trying to kill me? You know, and this isn't the cardiologist. This is my general practitioner. And he said, well, he said, she's given you a little, the highest dose that we could possibly recommend of three drugs. And he said, you never had high blood pressure. And two of these are high blood pressure things. And they're the highest dose that, that they would possibly recommend. He said, well, we're going to do away with the one and we're going to drop you to the very lowest dose of the other and we're going to do away with the other one also. And he said, he said, you're just sensitive to prescription drugs. And I said, hallelujah. Finally. And I said, doctor, I want you to understand, even though I've told you this on several occasions, I am not normal. And he'd kind of laugh like you did. And by the end of this service, you'll know I'm not normal. Okay. I'm not normal. And I said, I understand that you need to set a, have a standard set up on how you prescribe drugs and all this other stuff. But I said, doctor, from now on, realize, please, I'm not normal. And you see, all of you that are here today need to join me on this adventure of realizing that God never made anybody to be normal. Even the, the name, the word doesn't even sound exciting, does it? Normal. I mean, who wants to be normal? You know, I want to be excited. I want to be rare, polished, whatever. I don't want to be normal. Now let's get into the PowerPoint. Thank you, Jordan. What a blessing that guy is. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. says, you are Christ's body. What are we? We are Christ's body. In other words, Jesus owns this body. This church. One of the mistakes that we have made in, in church, and by the way, I've been in, in full-time ministry for 41 years. And one of the, the hugest mistakes that we've ever made is we've tried to organize the church to be a corporation. If you would go all the way back to the 300 ADs, you can, you can, you can actually watch Displays of the power of God get less and less and less as we became more and more organized into a thing instead of a body. And then all of a sudden we had, had um, the things that happened with Charlemagne and people like that, and all of a sudden Christianity became a national religion. And you know what? The power of God went just in a nosedive. Now, there were rare occasions when there were still displays. You see, we are a body. 
We are, are we organized? Yes. If you look at your body, you'll, you'll see something that's highly organized. Okay? But we're not a thing. We are an organism. We're something that's living, something that's moving, something that's changing. Do you understand? We're not a corporation. We are an organism. And the head of this organism is Christ. He is the the boss. If you're Spanish and if you speak Spanish, he is El Jefe. He is the big boss of the body. He is the head of the body. Now, Paul here writes to the Corinthians, and what the Corinthians had is they had a, an organization that was messed up. They had the rich people over here. They had the poor people over there. They had people that were mixing heathenism and idol worship with their Christianity over here. And they were a body that was so, or a church that was so divided that it was amazing. And now Paul here is writing to the Corinthians, and this is not a nice, pleasant, hi, how you doing type letter. Okay, he is chewing them out. Now, if that amazes you, read the book. And then he comes and he says to them, he says, now you are Christ's body. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, and individually members. Individually members. Now the Greek word for individually actually means to be a part or to be a share of. And it proceeds, it's preceded with a a preposition which means from. And together we understand that it is a part that comes from the rest of the body. But you are a part. I want you to understand today that you are a special part of the body of Christ. You're a special part. You're someone that God made and He planned you and He made you just the way you are. And any type of influence that tries to force you to become someone who you're not is going to cause distress in your life. It's going to cause your faith to not grow. And it's going to make you more fruitless. So understand that that you are individually a member of the body of Christ. And then going back now to to chapter 12 of, of Corinthians, and it says, and God has appointed in the church, and, and there's a whole list of different ministries. Okay? Who appointed them? Who put the ministries in the church? God did. 
Now we have people today that walk up to may walk up to you and they go, I perceive that you are a prophet. You know, that's okay. Don't listen to them. Don't beat them up or hit them or do anything like that. You know, we're nonviolent, okay? Or most of the time we're violent against the devil, right? But God appointed you. God took John Albus, one of the best men I know, and he appointed him to a place in the body of Christ. Jared, he appointed him to a place. Dennis, we were talking about his ministry in Kenya. God appointed him to that place. Now, these are the people I know, except for Matt and Sarah, a few other of you. But do you understand that God looked down on you and he said, Ha, I've got a place. I've got a position for you. I've got a position for little Lincoln, wherever he's at. He's got a place already prepared in the body of Christ. And now a lot of times we look at all these different ministries and and I'm not even going to really touch on them. The apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, various kinds of tongues. And then it says we're not all apostles, are we? No. How many of you know that if we all walk around like apostles, there's no need for for a whole bunch of you? No, you don't want to be like me. Okay? Because God's got enough trouble with me to, to begin with. And if you're like me, then you know what? There's no need for one of us in the body of Christ. So understand that God has placed you. It is not an accident that you are here and that you're involved in this great church called Revive. It is not an accident. You understand? God appointed. It's not an accident you were born in Hesperia or wherever you come from. God had it all planned out just for you. And then he goes on and he says, we're not, basically he says, we're not the same. We don't do the same things. I want you to understand today, again, reiterating, and this is the main point of my message, is that God made you to be you. Not anybody else. We're going to take all the pressure off. You don't need to be somebody else. You understand? You need to be you. And you need to take the giftings and the abilities that God has placed in you. 
and use them. I want you to turn, if you would, to Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. This is David writing here. He's talking to the Lord. David says something here in verse number 13. He says, for you formed my inner parts. And you wove me in my mother's womb. Your inner parts. God formed them. He made you just like he intended to make you. You understand? He made you unique. And when he says here, and you formed me, David says to the Lord, you formed me. We get the image here. The Hebrew language is a, is a language of images. It tries to paint a picture in our minds. And if you were Hebrew um, or Jewish today, and you were speaking this language, you would look at this word formed and you would see a potter. And a potter would come and he would take and every vessel that this potter makes is unique. It's all, everything. You know, there may be some that look alike, but there's certain fingerprints, there's certain things that the potter has done different. And I want you to know that God took you before you were born. And he formed you on the potter's wheel. And he made you. He put things in you. He put a combination of things. You know, I, 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 I don't like these things that say, well, you're a, a prophet and you're a this and you're a that and you're a this. Now, you may operate in those giftings. But you're different. I remember, you know, oh, you're a pastor. You need to go to pastor school to learn how to be a pastor. So they teach you to stand behind the pulpit when you preach. And they teach you to move your hands like this and like this and like this. I, the first two years that I was in ministry, I was so bound to homiletics that I couldn't move. Oh, my homiletics. By the way, homiletics is the science of preaching. Okay. My homiletics teacher said, stay behind the pulpit, Leon. <laughs> My first time I ever preached, I did it in front of a class of about 300 students. It was called, it wasn't called homiletics, it was called public speaking. It was a precursor to, to homiletics. <laughs> I was so nervous. I had a, I had a talk for 10 minutes. And I did my outline and all that stuff. I was so nervous. I stayed behind the pulpit. But I moved the pulpit everywhere. I actually picked the pulpit up and would walk with <laughs> The professor said, Leon, you had great notes. Most of your presentation was pretty good. But Leon, please leave the pulpit in one place. 
But we've taught so much and said, this is what it looks like. And we've tried to force people into a place that was never meant for them to be in. You understand? So you were formed. God took you and He formed you. Just like a potter would form a pot. He formed you and He formed you in a very unique way. And then notice what it says, and I wove and you wove me in my mother's womb. Any ladies here do weaving? No. That's, we really don't do much of that anymore, do we, sir? <laughs> now we go down to the fabric store if you sew and you buy the fabric. But I've been in places where I've watched women weave with a loom. And I mean, every thing that they do is different. They might use the same colors, but they always turn out different. And by the way, if you've ever tried to buy something that's hand-woven, you'll find out it's not cheap unless you're in South America someplace. Okay? Why? Because it's so unique. And here David uses this word again. And again, it paints a picture in our minds of a woman sitting at a loom and she's taking and managing every thread, every movement, personally involved in weaving. Well, let me tell you something. God was personally involved in you before you were ever born. And you know what people can call babies mistakes? I think it's one of the greatest atrocities. Maybe it was unplanned, but it sure is not a mistake. You understand? So he wove you. And then David goes on and he says, I will give thanks to you. Why? Because or for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What does David say? He said, I am fearfully. In other words, fearful doesn't mean that you're scared. Okay? Fearful means that you're kind of like, whoa! Wow! Look at me! Look at what God did. Look at how God made me. See, for every one of you, maybe today this will be the beginning of the wow factor in your life. You're going to stand back and you're going to go, whoosh. Look what God did. Look what He did. 
you made me. I've been to to Amsterdam, you know, how many times. And one of the times that I was in Amsterdam, uh, in the Amsterdam in, um, airport, in Schiphol Airport, they had a exhibit of, from the Van Gogh Museum. Now, if you don't know anything about art, Van Gogh was a painter. He painted a lot of flowers and, and stuff like that, okay? So I thought, you know, I've got a long lay over here. I'm going to go into the Van Gogh Museum. Now I'm Dutch, so, you know, you got to, that, that helps too, you know. And I went into the Van Gogh Museum. And I looked at these paintings. But you couldn't touch them. In fact, they were behind glass that was that thick. And you couldn't even touch the glass. They had guards standing there. I mean, you could not even touch the glass that these paintings were behind without getting arrested or busted on your head or something. I didn't do anything. I just went, whoa. I go to classic car shows. I don't touch people's cars. Some people get really uptight if they touch your 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 72 Nova or whatever, you know. Um, I just go. Oh, what a nice car. But you know what? The reason why those paintings were so important is because of the person that painted them. You see, I've been there and I looked around. There were no Leon de Hans in that place. Nowhere. Why? Because they weren't, my painting would not be considered wonderful. Didn't, doesn't have any wow factor. But you are created by God and you're created fearfully like wow and wonderfully. You. And what is David goes on in my frame? Yeah, but I'm fat. I'm skinny. I'm tall. I'm short. Let me tell you something. God put you in that frame. He put you in that frame. He says, my frame was hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. In other words, when that baby was still inside a mother's womb, God was putting together not only the insides, but he was also putting together the outsides. Now, I believe in being healthy. But you know what? I don't believe in trying to be a matchstick. You understand? I don't, you know, I was, I was born, I had curly hair at one time. In fact, I had an afro before afros became popular back in the, they used to throw 
toothpicks at my head and they would stick inside my hair, you know. I thought, I don't like Afro. No, this is the hippie days. I don't like, you know, I I tell people now I had evangelistic hair. In other words, my hair went out. It didn't go down. It went out. You understand? So I would, I would go to a barber and he would slap all this acid stuff on my head. He'd put, first put all Vaseline all around my scalp and then he'd slap acid on my head and then I'd come out straight as a pin. Why? Because I didn't realize that God made my frame. Do you understand that God not only made you in your inside, but he made you tall. He made you, and he made your frame also. And it was skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have, have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. The last thing that it says about us here is it tells us that God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan that encompasses your inner being. He also has a plan that encompasses your outward being, your frame. He's got a plan for you. He knows all about you. He knows you from the very beginning to the very end. Do you understand? Do you understand how wonderful you are? I hope you do this morning. You might think, well, I'm trying my best to walk in the plan. But it seems like I always get a setback. Now, some of you are going, and some of you are still sitting there like this, so that's all right, because you're different. Okay? I... There's, I think Dennis can relate, but there's, there's nine major ethnic groups in South Africa. And there's the Zulus, who are the largest ethnic group, and then there's the, the Sisutu, who are either the second or third, depends on who you talk to. If you talk to a, a Basutu person, they're the second, and if you talk to a, um, uh, what do they call them? Anyway, then they're third. Anyway. But they are so different from each other. Zulus will get up and they will j- dance and jump around, get all excited. I was preaching to a bunch of Zulus one time and I said, I purposely said something wrong. Okay, just to get their attention. And this Zulu came like a rocket out of his chair. He thought he had just heard the greatest revelation he had ever heard in his whole life. I mean, he was shouting and dancing and, and screaming. He thought, wow. And then I had to say, uh, sorry, but, uh, 
that's not true. You need to sit back down. <laughs> and then the Susutu or Basutu people, they sit there like this. I preached for an hour in a Basutu church a couple weeks ago, and they were sitting like this. Told a joke. <laughs> Insulted the preacher. Do you understand that you are made different? Some of you are excitable, some of you are not. So when the preacher or the worship leader gets up and says, Okay, come on, everybody dance! And you're saying, I think I'm just going to sit here. I just want to sit here. You know what? It's all right to sit there. It's all right to dance too. you're different all of us are different and God's got a plan for each and every one of us now I want to bring this back to the church every one of you has a unique place in this local assembly in this body of Christ Every one of you. Now I'm not going to prophesy to you and tell you what it is. Because you know what? I don't know. Pastor Matt's probably not going to prophesy to you and tell you what it is. Now he might help you. He might guide you. That's part of his leadership ability. But you've been appointed there by God. You understand? You've got, you've got a God made, God prepared, God appointed place in the body of Christ. What are you doing with it? Got real quiet in here. People, John, people that were smiling at me aren't smiling anymore. What are you doing with it? We've got an epidemic in the United States. You know what the epidemic is? Pastors committing suicide. Not pastors of just little churches or smaller churches, pastors of mega churches. Why? Because the pressure is too great. And you see, because they've given in to some kind of form of church, they've lost it. They've lost their lives. They've lost their families.
Matt and Sarah are great people. Great people, great leaders. But they can't do it alone. You understand? Is this all right? They can't do it alone. And for some strange reason, I I feel like most of you are involved in some way, shape, or form because of their leadership. But yet, let me ask you a question. What are your dreams? When you're all alone and your life is healthy before the Lord, what do you dream about? Oh, I dream of winning the mega lottery. No, I said when you're in a healthy relationship with the Lord. (laughs) What do you dream about? I learned this lesson when I was a new believer. You see, back in those days, we didn't have people telling us what we needed to be to fulfill a place in the church. Back in those days, we, I was part of an organization, a church, that just said, Leon, just be you. What do you want to be? And I would spend time at night praying, and then I would look, And I would see myself doing what I'm doing today. Along that way, there's been a lot of men and a few women that have helped prepare me. You see, that's what Pastor Matt and Sarah, that's what their job is. And maybe some of the other elders here, you have other elders? Hmm? One, okay, that's what they're supposed to be doing is preparing you for the ministry that God's called you to do. But have you ever sat down with them and said, now don't get too excited, Pastor Matt. Sarah, don't get too excited. But this is what I dream about when I'm alone and my heart is right with God. My desires are right with God. This is what I'm dreaming about. Because you know what? I I believe that those dreams were placed inside of you by God Almighty. They were put there by God. 
to stand back and we need to say, God, I believe. I believe that is where you want to take me. That is where you want me to fit. Now, you know what I found out? Not everybody wants to be a missionary. Weird, isn't it? Do you want to be a missionary? You don't want to. Let's everybody extend your hand towards... No. <laughs> you see, those dreams of reaching nations and training leadership, those dreams have been alive in me since about 1971, a couple years ago. Now, thank God I've been surrounded by great people that help those dreams come out. What's your dream? You know, your dream could be the, the best dairy farmer that the world's ever seen. We'll pray for you with the price of milk right now. Well, you need a lot of help. <laughs> it might be to be a, a, an auto mechanic. That helps people with their cards. You wouldn't, you would not have liked to seen me about uh, four hours ago. I was trying to check the oil on my wife's Honda. They don't make Hondas like they they like they make Ford F one fifties. They don't even have a dipstick. I thought, well, there's the dipstick. No, it was the transmission. Okay, I thought, huh, that's red oil. That should not be red oil. (laughs) It took me five minutes to find the crazy dipstick. It's this little red tab on the top of the motor. I am not mechanically inclined. You understand? We need good mechanics. We need good IT people, right, Jordan? I tell you what, the world moves on IT, right? So I ask you as we close, what is it? How has God made you? Only He knows for sure. How is He? We can see your frame. We can see the outside, but What is it on the inside of you that makes you tick? What is that dream that maybe you've never dared to express it? Because you don't think you're just really all that good to be able to do it. What is it? We need you. Pastors Matt and Sarah, they need you. Hesperia needs you. Shelby needs you. We know for sure heart needs you. Right, Jared? What is it? I challenge you today to begin to take 
those dreams, if I could use the word those callings, seriously. Go to your leadership. Buy them a cup of coffee. Is there a coffee shop around here somewhere? Buy them a cup of coffee. No, it's not. You don't have a Big B's in his period. Oh, my. How do you even live without a Big B? <laughs> Yeah, somebody should have that dream. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I would be there in about five minutes, but. <laughs> Take them out. Or go to their house or however you want to do it and just say, this is what I'm dreaming. Will you do that? <laughs>